0: about there we go live uh this meeting is being live streamed yes we know because we've just been talking about it right it's doing its thing facebook is coming over here while all the technology connects who knows people might be listening maybe i'll edit this bit out we were just talking about podcasts there we go so we are live in the group i'll just uh there we go yes so they can hear that it's cool so i've got the live stream happening over here awesome right so we're going live it's been a while since we've been uh live streaming into the group um that's just because I've been a bit rubbish and I've been really busy so yeah apologies for not fulfilling promises of uh, yeah live streaming in the in, in the group and uh, also getting podcasts out but we are making up for uh, my uh, poor um, ability to structure my life and uh, organize podcasts in amongst all the amazing client work we're doing and we have got the amazing Beck Smith with us today from the whole story to have a bit of a yarn and see what she's up to so uh Kia ora Bex. how's it going
1: Good to everyone. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm Beck Smith. I'm good. Good. It's sunny today, so I'm enjoying the sunshine.
0: Yeah, we were just saying uh, before we, we clicked the live button, so you're you're a, a, a working on a farm where you live and are working as a farmer, um, but you also enjoy skiing, and we've just had some pretty cold, awful, snowy weather if you're a farmer, but if you're a skier like me in the background, hoping to go tomorrow, <laughs> it's been a great couple of days so yeah it's uh it's tough but yeah um yeah it's well, such a thing I,
1: I like torn between the, the whole yeah <laughs> love to play in it i hate to work in it it's,
0: yeah. yeah i i don't think anyone likes to work in the snow but perhaps maybe ski instructors obviously um but anyway yeah so uh, you know we start off by asking the obvious question bex who are you um, and what do you do um, other than being a farmer and a skier <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thanks, Tim.
1: Um, I am a farmer, so we've got 700 hectares uh, sheep, beef and deer farm here in central Otago. Um, I'm also a mum, I've got three beautiful wee girls, um, Ash's one, Emerson's almost five, and is six, so yeah, we're raising our three kids on the farm. Um, I'm also a vet, I've been working here in Ranfurly for 13 years now, and um, In June 2020, I started a social enterprise, now B Corp certified, called The Whole Story, which is focused on inspiring sustainability in agriculture.
0: Wow. And on Tuesdays, you, you know. Ski! (laughs) Yeah, Tuesdays, you ski. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like you've got quite a bit on your plate. Um, Like, How do you fit all that stuff in? Um, Are you just one of those superhuman people that, um, yeah, does crazy stuff? clearly
1: uh crazy is the optimal word there i think it's the kind of organized chaos like it's uh, or not organized and you just run with the chaos and it happens so, anyway
0: yeah, yeah disorganized chaos yeah yeah yeah
1: as long as everyone's like alive at the end of the day and, <laughs> and hopefully at some point then then we're all good yeah it's it. really like it's kind of i've got a big thing on just being where your feet are so you yep. know whatever you're doing whatever you're passionate about at the time just be there get it done move on to the next thing um i kind of like exciting stuff so i keep getting different things coming in and out of my life but i kind of can't ditch anything because i love them all so much so
0: i uh, yeah i hear you on that one i think we, we were just sort of talking before we went live we're, we're pretty similar personality types in that regard it's like kind of just say yes and then work it out <laughs>
1: Yes, and wing it definitely.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, off the cuff is definitely um, a, a personal motto. I should probably get that. I, I should probably get tattooed around a cuff. That'd be quite cool. Yeah, just off the cuff. We're gonna. Do it. It'd be fine. We'll be fine. Um, so, did you you come from a farming background um, originally? No, nope, not
1: at all. So I am from Hamilton. I was born in Hamilton, actually, which wow. not many
0: people know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and then That's spent a
0: big, the big expose already on the, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I spent the first five years of my life there and then moved to Papua New Guinea. So also oh, another wow. Yeah. So not from a farming background at all, but I come yeah. from a really outdoorsy family. So we've always kind of loved getting out in nature and tramping and climbing. Um, yeah. And... I wanted to be a vet from a really young age. My uncle's a vet. So I thought I'd go into like small animal vet work or maybe horses. I've always loved
0: horses. Mm -hmm. Um, And not not small horses. Like, like a real horses, niche, just, horses,
1: like you know,
0: Shetland ponies. I'm a Shetland yeah. pony vet. Don't do anything else, just Shetland ponies.
1: <laughs> just is, <laughs> um And so I kind of like always wanted to be a vet. And then my best friend during high school was a boarder and had a farm here in Central Otago. And I used to spend my school holidays rocking up here and helping her out on the farm. And I just that combination of loving the land and the animals and kind of putting it all together really made yep. sense to me. Didn't want to
0: do anything else after that? Nice, what a crazy idea! Do what you like doing and feel that you're kind of good at it. Yeah, well, I might catch on. Just careful, it's like easy now, Bex. You know, all these crazy ideas you're putting out here already. Um, no, that's super cool. So, you sort of that was your plan, really, from from school was like just go and do veterinary, get on it, and and you did all that. That was all all pretty easy, plain sailing. So you felt like it was all what you were meant to be doing.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah, now that, like, just finished school, went straight up to uni, Um, did the five years vet school, and came out as a, I guess, a mixed practitioner vet, but with a large animal focus, so working, yeah. I always wanted to work in a rural community, and I really liked the sheep, beef, and deer work, so yeah. I had two places I wanted to come, and, like, Ranfurly was one, and Marlborough was the other, um, nice. and I got a job here, started as a new grad, and Married a farmer and haven't left.
0: <laughs> they trapped you. It was all part of that cutting plan. Did.
1: It did. It's yeah, a yeah. community plan, I tell you.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. And so I'm intrigued to learn a little bit more about PNG. What was that like? How long were you in Papua New Guinea for?
1: Yeah, so there for five or six years, somewhere around oh. that. I came back for like the end of my, I guess, well, my intermediate schooling. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, so I did most of my primary schooling over there. Right. and. Yeah, it was amazing. So dad worked for the electricity commission over there and my stepmom worked for the British High Commission. So oh, wow. yeah, we had it was an, like an idyllic childhood. We yeah. like, lived in a compound, but you so you were living in with your mates all the time, playing yeah. out at school in a super safe compound with a playground. And yeah. um we had a yacht, so the weekends we'd spend out on different islands just snorkeling, swimming. Yeah. I know it was awful, <laughs> terrible. Like you know like it was really really cool it definitely sparked my passion for sort of adventure and
0: yeah um, i bet yeah
1: pushing the pushing the limits and your comfort zones really
0: yeah wow yeah your kids got no hope have they it's like <laughs> this is this is my benchmark of childhood and my, most parents want to make their kids lives a little bit you know more fun than theirs so yeah wow that's going to be uh, yeah lucky kids man yeah to be that's
1: fair girl a- on a farm brings a whole nother different set of like idyllic childhood kind of yeah thing. yeah but
0: like it's ecolic. completely different yeah.
1: but it, it's pretty pretty special as well
0: yeah super cool so you, so you you got down to ranfurly and so you've been a vet you are sort of active as a vet in ranfurly and you're still so you're still doing some veterinary stuff or um, so you've, you did a few years doing the veterinary stuff and then you started to have some other, other ideas or yeah, how, how did you end up, like you're doing all this stuff, you know, what, what was the sort of sequence of events or did it all just sort of happen at once?
1: So through the vet work, I found I had this real interest in leadership and more personal development and the the deeper I dug into values and purpose and who I was as a person, I knew like it sounds kind of crazy right like what i was doing and what i am doing i still work as a vet in the evenings and weekends so what like that's real purpose work right like you're yeah. making a difference to people's farming operations to animals lives you know to, to to small animal pet owners and their you know their animals so you are genuinely making a difference every single day and saving lives is pretty big purpose work um but I felt like yes I could do that but also I had more to give Mm -hmm. and I don't know where I got the sense of I had more but there was definitely a way to marry some other core values in my life with my skill set from veterinary work and actually Mm -hmm. create something bigger of my own to have positive impact so it was really through my just finding out more about myself and and knowing who you are and your value set and kind of working through how can you best live out your value
0: set to serve others? You pretty much nailed purpose. That's, that's kind of it. You know, the, like the definition of purpose that I work with is, well, if you, if you look at the dictionary definition of purpose, it's essentially the reason for which something was made or created and um, the, uh, like the contribution that, that, that something makes. And really that is the key to purpose is like be the truest version of you making the biggest contribution that you can make and yeah. it seems to be that you've you've connected to that quite quickly and, and potentially from like even having that sense of purpose and like I just want to be a vet because it feels like it's me I mean did, did you have that kind of underlying sense that you were you know it, it is kind of helping save lives and and livelihoods was that early on or was it just kind of like eh, veterinary thing a vet sounds kind of cool like get to hang out do stuff with animals and you know Learned some cool stuff.
1: I think it was from early on. I used to. I remember moments going in with my uncle into his veterinary clinic and working with him, and just seeing the impact that his work had on the animals and the people. And I think it was watching the positive impact mm. he had. I mean, he's an exceptional vet, um, and he just positively impacted so many people. He lit up their lives, and he, you know, whether it was really small things that weren't actually mm. like life-changing for the animals but even the conversations he had with the people and I think it was that real inspiration and then like there's a massive dopamine hit you get from actually saving a life and in that moment um and that's I mean that's pretty addictive in itself so if you can get a bit of that and do good at the same time then yeah as you say like it's all about that contribution but it was it was about this isn't just the only contribution I can bring to the world and it's not it is a good contribution, but it's not necessarily all I have to give or the best mm. contribution. that for me,
0: yep, yeah. nice. And so you did. You, you. It sounds like you've done a good amount of personal development work through, like on, you know, through specific programs or just general, like going down internet rabbit hole research type stuff. Like, how do you, how do you do your personal development? Or how have you done it to date? Yeah, so
1: I am a bit of a personal development junkie, um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it how have I done it I'm more of a course kind of person like I yep. love um yeah the rabbit hole doesn't get me so far but actually the accountability of being in a group or on a course yep. keeps me keeps me going yep. um I've worked with a lot of different mentors as well throughout kind of I guess my personal and professional life that have kind of kept me accountable as well to different bits pieces yeah i'm a real big advocate for there's a um, thing in the agricultural sector called the agri-women's development trust and they're all right. about developing rural women mm. and their leadership qualities and i've done a couple of their courses and their escalator program was really like pivotal for me mm. for just really like their thing is about how
0: knowing who you are is how you lead yeah 100 percent. and it's um you know you can kind of uh, I, I like well as people may well know have if you've listened to more than one of these so my, my degree was in medieval history and i just really love ancient philosophy st- like stuff that we don't like we kind of don't really know why they knew it and how they knew it but they they did know it and they wrote it down and it's you know stuff that's kind of coming full circle and i'm pretty sure it's it was socrates or aristotle uh we'll fact check it and put a link um you know but one of the key phrases from that sort of uh, greek philosophy was know thyself and it's such a fundamental idea but it's the scariest thing that people can go and do which is why a lot of people don't connect to their true purpose because they don't want to go in um and think about who they really are and well why do I behave like this and oh actually I am a bit like my mum or I am a bit like my dad and I don't like that because I don't like that in my mum or my dad and yeah that's that's the hard part of of the purpose journey but it seems like you you're one of those rarer individuals who seems to have had that early connection to a real deep understanding of, of who you are and what you want to do. And, and you've, you've been on that path was, I think it's less common. Um, I think yeah, most people think are kind of earlier, afraid of connecting to that.
1: Yeah, and the earlier you train yourself to do that hard work too, and then see the rewards, like it's like, you know, the Pavlov's dog experiment, yep. like actually like, I know that the pain and the hard work of digging deep brings rewards so you kind of you, you get more comfortable with the uncomfortable and you know that pushing through will actually yeah. um some real gems and good results and i think the earlier you learn that the more it becomes a habit and
0: you just you're happier to keep pushing yourself into that space totally and you know within that there is a sense of meaning and purpose by overcoming a challenging mental obstacle or even a physical obstacle doing hard physical work to become a better version of you um, I think that yeah, that there is once you connect to that and you understand that that for me is a key part of human development and recognizing that yeah if you can undertake challenging particularly challenging mental um work on yourself it, it breeds a really high level of general resilience and I, and I think yeah just i just don't see that i think that's one of the big things we're not we're not taught in school you know you're not really it's kind of like it's just not on the curriculum it, like you, you just don't get it did, did was there anything from um parental input that you think you know were they pushing you to do stuff um or do you think it's just it's just backs that's just how you were made that you were more open and receptive to this
1: definitely I think like my dad's an exceptional kind of mentor for me he his motto when we were younger was kind of always um do what others expect of you and more nice now that can like that can serve you and it cannot serve you as well because you're <laughs> a super overachiever, right? So, yep. like, when you do that, that, that digging deep, like that for me is, has brought up quite a lot of stuff because yep. um, that pushes me mentally in my head to actually never have achieved enough. But,
0: right. yeah, yes. never. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, as a manager <clears throat> and his career and stuff, mm. is he always um, role modeled that, you know, hard work gets results and kind of pushing the boundaries on yet yeah, challenging mm. yourself and mm. rising to challenge like challenge for me is a core value. So it's yeah. kind of interesting to bring that up because it's, you know, I almost have a handicap to start on that because it's mm. core to me. So it's easier to go into challenge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dad, definitely like he's, he pushed us to kind of always be the best version of ourselves.
0: Mm. Yeah. Like so yeah, it is, it is a, a double-edged sword in that regard. Um, it's kind of like, yeah, have I done enough? Have I done enough? But yeah, at the same time, you've got to know that you've, if you've given it everything, you've done enough. Um, whether the result was kind of what you really wanted or fully expected. As long as you've actually done, you know, do a quick check and go, yeah, I did do everything that, that I could do. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I have a similar mindset and approach to like everything everything is a challenge everything's surmountable as far as I'm concerned it's it's just you have to want it enough and if you want it enough you'll find a way and if genuinely you can't find a way then there probably isn't a way um and that really frustrates some of the people in this household <laughs> and,
1: um, it's that learner's mindset too right like it's yep, like, like
0: growth mindset counselor. yeah, yeah.
1: Like it's like you can grow you can learn like it's yeah, you know just because I don't know it I just don't know it yet yeah
0: do you exactly know? that yeah and I think, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, just uh, overwhelming positivity and uh, resilience and a desire just not to stop until someone actually says no. You, you kind of need to stop. Which, again, you know, sometimes it has good and bad things because in in a business context, you can sort of start going down down a track and you don't want to give up because it's like, well, if I just do, but I don't know. I think in general, the number of times in my life when, you know, it's like just do that one extra step because you just don't know, and suddenly that extra step takes you out of the rain cloud and it's beautiful sunshine and there's a big rainbow and you go okay it just i just needed that one extra step but i guess yeah it's is it one or is it 10 or is it 100 extra ones yeah it's i guess that's life experience teaches you yeah possibly yeah. this horse has been flogged a few times
1: <laughs> i think it, um, it, it's like that self-awareness as well like when you're aware of it in yourself you can choose to dial it up or dial it down So you know when to put that into play and you know when to sit back and kind of talk to yourself and go like, come on Bex, like rein it in. Like, (laughs) yeah, just (laughs) settle down. (laughs) Sit (laughs) down for a minute.
0: (laughs) Very good. So... So you're doing, you're doing your veterinary, you do, you're do you doing a ton of personal development work and you start seeing that there's there's this calling for you, which you, which again, I think very similar journeys. Like when I started my business, it's like, yeah, look, we're doing some pretty cool stuff. I started out mainly doing sales training for other B Corps and businesses doing good. And then I just felt actually, you know what, this is kind of the tip of the iceberg. This helping people get on that purpose journey, getting more people to think about B Corp. I think there's more, there's more that I can do here. And again, I think that's partly... muscle you know if you use the muscle you kind of get into a into that state of kind of like doing veterinary stuff yeah it's kind of cool but i want to use i I guess you're using also using different mental muscles um sort of veterinary versus personal development and human development which is kind of what you're what you're now into so yeah you're sort of having this moment and so yeah what was the what was the first step you took and 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 what was the kind of initial you look like i'm curious i want to do more but yeah what was that process or journey like like what was the first thing you did
1: Yeah, I think, I'm trying to think what actually came first. And Mm. I think it was actually sitting down and working through the Ikigai model. Yep. And so going through that, and then it was starting to look at what did the world need. And I came back to sort of two real lived challenges that I was facing and pain points that I was seeing like every single day. And so two pain points that were affecting me directly were that the environment, well, like that sustainability in agriculture was becoming synonymous with environment, and that people and businesses, communities, animals, and everything else were being left behind because we were becoming so narrow focused on this one word being synonymous with environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and although the environment is crucial to our existence and we're so passionate about, doing good we have to keep everything in balance otherwise we're just going to you know tip it all on kilter and not going to achieve anything and so that was a real pain point for me but also the fact that I was watching my husband and my father-in-law out there working really really hard on the farm every single day like it's a full-time job and some and then they were coming home at night and having to kind of sit down with old Dr Google and figure out okay right so you know it's sustainability initiatives this is what I should be doing how do I do it who's the person to help me like the connection between you know farmers are deeply passionate about the land that they live and work on and and work alongside and their ability to actually get things done is exceptional because they're out mm. there doing it today yep. but there was a real disconnect between the how in the middle and so with the strengths and this is where the ikigai model came in for me is from my strengths background and experience what could i bring to kind of provide solutions to those two problems and that's where the whole story was born, just in that real need to solve those challenges that I was
0: faced with. Nice. So for those of you who aren't aware, do we go, look at this through the magic of technology. Hopefully this is working and you can actually see it. we will find out in a second on my other screen over here. Um, so this is what the um, model of ikigai looks like, which is the Japanese word for reason for being or phrase for um, yeah, reason for being. Uh, there we go yeah it is showing up on the other screen fantastic look at that technology wins um so i'll put a link or i'll um yeah well if you're watching it in the group it's in the group and i'll put the picture in the group uh, so if you're one of our clients um where we uh, in our be better community this is being live streamed into that group if you're listening to this as a podcast separately um i'll endeavor to make sure i put a link up to this picture of ikigai just so that yeah if you're not sure what it is but yeah as bex was sort of saying it's this kind of model of trying to work out um what are you good at what can earn you money what do you love doing and does the world need it and kind of in the middle of that is this sweet spot of your ikigai or your purpose or your dream job or your true vocation and vocation is, a, is an interesting word because it comes from the latin vocale which means to call so if something is if, which is interesting because you kind of hear people go oh you know it's, it's vocational training that sounds rubbish that's not a proper degree it's like well no vocational means it's your calling it's like i've been called to do this there you go um really cool so um and was was icky guy something that you um were made aware of through like the personal development work that you were doing through the programs or did you just sort of stumble across that because icky guy is one of those things like a lot of people it's it's like 50 50 some people are what what icky icky who um and other people like oh yeah obviously um yes how did you sort of come across that as a model
1: i can't even remember i think potentially i'm not sure whether you and Kath talked about it.
0: And okay, yeah, yeah, entrepreneurial women with purpose.
1: on purpose. Oh, there we go. Um,
0: Woohoo, for the women. workshop
1: I went to with you, Tim, <laughs> was essentially where I first heard about it. And the homework I did after that was, I mean, that was, that was in the very formative stages of, you yeah. know, that was during one of the lockdowns, I feel. Um, all God, around yeah. that time, and like yeah. I'm just making bread, and here I was doing my guy. like, do you know? Yeah. Like? Actually, th-
0: I think you were right, because you remember Kath had to, um, so yeah, ch- shout out to Catherine van der Merlin, who is just an amazing human, who, as a, as a small aside, like, she came from Australia, landed in New Zealand, and then it felt like within two days, had just, like, dominated this whole Entrepreneurial Women With Purpose event thing, concept, and it just, like, roped in people, and because she's an amazing human, who genuinely cares and has got just really good approach to life. She just like built this thing. And then she's like, I can't remember how we got connected. She's like, Hey, do you want to, can you come and help me? I'm looking for some content for this thing. I'm like, sure. Purpose. I'm all over it. And then, yeah, next minute she had these, um, it was going to be live events in Auckland Wellington Christchurch. And then, yeah, suddenly it's like, ah, uh, they think we can do live events. It's like, how about we just go online? That's cool, exactly that. it. Exactly. Yeah. I got oh, go. one
1: ticket to one of the yeah, live yeah. Yeah. That's how it happened. I saw saw a post on social media, entered a competition, won a ticket to go to the Christchurch one. Boom. Couldn't go, but did it online. Yeah. And it's <laughs> actually funny how like that, like Kath and Entrepreneur with, Purp- with Women with Purpose, has become so interwoven into my business and the whole story, nice. because it's actually one of her podcasts that inspired yes. a lot of the work that I do. So yeah, it's, it's very, well, how these things that. work. Shout yeah, out to, to Kevin. There we
0: yeah. go. Um, super cool. So I guess, yeah, just backing up the truck a little bit on the whole farming thing, you know, us, us city folk, you know, what do we know with our pollutant cars and our, you know, high pollutant ways doing our thing. And then there's, you know, you poor gritty farmers trying to do what you do, but then half the city folk go, yeah, but you bloody farmers with your bloody fertilizers and destroying the planet and
1: boo. It
0: just, it's it just seems to be one of those classic modern, issues where we just want you to take a side and we're just going to keep throwing rocks at each other when clearly it is way more nuanced than that (laughs) and sure there are going to be some really shitty farmers doing some bad stuff just like there are really shitty people in the city you know doing bad stuff so it, it kind of would seem logical that the majority of farmers actually do care about the land that they've got and it's intergenerational and like they're trying to do the best that they can so yeah any thoughts or commentary on me clearly i I would imagine you're probably pro farming on on not that we're trying to make it pro or or anti but yeah you know it's 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 hard yakka it's you know you you, you're out there doing it
1: yeah and i think it's it is really interesting you talk about that divide and that kind of like i think every time there's a label on something if it's not who you are then you assume you are not and so then it's really hard to, you know, there's a big compare and contrast kind of thing. But I think, yep. you know, everyone out there in the world kind of has to just do a little bit better. I don't think yep. there's anyone perfect. So I think that farmers, urban hybrids like me, I come from an urban band, So I'm like, <laughs> like a, I'm like a hybrid farmer urbanite. Um, so I think... A, f- a yeah, Furbanite? A furbanite.
0: <laughs> It Sounds like a kid's toy, like a Furby. Hi, I'm a Furbanite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you know like i think it's everyone is just we all have the opportunity to do a little bit better and Rightly. we all have a responsibility to find the people who can help us be a little bit better or do a little bit better and and i want to be one of those people that helps nice. farmers do better um, nice. and also who do you know it's really hard it's quite doomsday at the moment there's a whole lot mm-hmm. of like negativity around climate change around our responsibilities and our and our impacts and I think it's actually really hard and there's heaps of science that proves this it's really hard to innovate in the space of like a defensive mindset a negative yeah. mindset yeah. and so we need to lift people out of negativity and into inspiration and positivity to yeah. actually face the world's wicked problems um, and farming it's really interesting like we caught a lot of flack for being you know, part of the problem, but actually we have the biggest opportunity to be part of the solution mm. because we have massive land holding that can actually be part of the solution to this wicked problem. So if we can put farmers in a positive mindset and mm. inspire them and not be so like hard on them all the time, yep. rural mental health is a real issue. I mean, mm. farmers are feeling the brunt of it at the moment. And if they're in a depressive mindset or a negative mindset, they're not going to rise to the challenge to actually be part of the solution mm. and look for those opportunities because they actually can't if they don't have that white space. So, like, I implore everybody out there to like give a farmer a pat on the back, help them rise into that space of positivity because they actually, like, New Zealand farming has the opportunity to be, like, part of the solution. So we should nice. support. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in a rural environment, so you know, not, not in a farming family, but in a small village that, you know, our next door neighbor was Jim, the farmer and he would come home in his tractor and, you know, he'd be off in the fields. And I, I was like really, um, yeah, sort of captured by this idea of being a farmer when I was, when I was a kid, but I didn't follow it through. Um, I did work on a farm um, after school before I went to uni for the summer, and that was quite cool. I think I kind of probably got it out of my system. Six months was enough for me because <laughs> I realised I had hay fever um, as a teen, like really bad hay fever as a teenager. And one of the jobs I had was basically stacking hay bales in the barn. And if you can imagine, in a uh, those of you who don't believe this, but the, the UK, you know, Britain does actually get some hot summers and it would have been like high 20s outside but in a hay barn with a tin roof it's possibly 40 50 degrees plus at the top of it and my eyes would just be streaming and I was just sneezing into the hay bales trying to stack them and get them yeah so that was so I think that was like i like yeah I think I've done my farming gig here like I think I've got that out of the system
1: put anyone off right
0: <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much um yeah, so I've got I think I've got a level of empathy and, and some understanding of the challenges of yeah, what it's like. But I, I don't think a lot of people truly understand, like I say, how hard a lot of the, the rural community, like just how hard life is. It's like, like you say, it's been snowing this week. Well, you've still got to get out there like I can kind of like <laughs> this is how protected I am in the city. Like on what was it We're Friday today? So yesterday I had a whole bunch of meetings in town and I don't normally get into town very much because you know i should try and keep it all on zoom because i'm a bit lazy um and i just like working from home take a dog for a walk and on wednesday night i was like oh do we i might have to reschedule my meetings if there's a bit of snow and you know it's a bit tricky but i have the luxury of of maybe doing that whereas you can't go hey can someone just have a chat to the cows and just let them know that um we're gonna be a bit late coming out tomorrow morning because it's a little bit chilly
1: <laughs> yeah and I, my husband and i were actually just talking about this the other day in that like it's we're in the middle of spring at the moment. Obviously, it's you know we've had some pretty bad weather, but this was sort of before all that. But even in spring, it's so busy, and mm. we were out. It was a late night. We were out um, helping carve a cow, and then I've got lambs, a lamb rearing system. So I was out feeding lambs and and things like that. And you know, it was like eleven o'clock at night, and Jason went inside after carving the cow, and I was still out, and I just had one sick lamb, and I was trying to sort of look after that, and. Mm you know, you're you're crying because you're tired and you're cold and it's like, it's hard work and you're exhausted. Like I've got three kids as well. So after they've all gone to bed, I'm out there doing that.
0: Kids are just feral somewhere around the farm, (laughs) riding Um, the tractors around.
1: Yeah. And it was that moment where I was just like, I wish people who uh, flippantly say that farmers don't care could see right now broken we are with caring.
0: Yeah. Um, you know yeah,
1: yeah. how much these individual animals we're working with out here like that we genuinely care and so it's like it was just kind of one of those classic moments where I just wish you could see how much we care and how hard it is sometimes I mean yep. it's it painted a glamorous picture when you see you know the the sun out and the, and the green field <laughs> and everything happy but that's not the reality all the time, and sometimes yeah. it's just really hard work. And mm. I haven't been inside um, before ten o'clock for the last six weeks.
0: Wow! So. And like you say, it, it starts again tomorrow morning at some ungodly hour. It's not like, oh, it's okay. We've had, a, you know, if I have a late night with a, a Zoom call with someone in the US or the UK, or whatever, it's like I can maybe have a bit of a lie in in the morning or, you know, take the dog for a later walk. But yeah, you don't get that luxury. Yeah.
1: No, kids don't either. So I think yesterday, like six layers of clothes, I was like, my hands were red raw from the cold wind and I was like crying because of the pain. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Icicles coming out of your eyes.
1: Yeah, and and the kids are the same. They're out like in jackets and and they're out working on the farm too at school holidays. We're like, I can't just leave them. So they've got to come along with us and they learn the values of hard work early. And that that can't be a bad thing, right? But it's certainly... Not, yeah. it's not all glamorous it's um, yeah, yeah
0: it, it's yeah i think habit. i mean i think that's what rural rural communities still have that connection to like hard work it's like it, life is hard it's tough it's sometimes it's brutal like just <laughs> it's gonna happen again tomorrow so kind of you just have to deal with it and and again i think we've you know if you want to look at on the really long time scale we, we in a city folk again you know it's like we live very protected you know, Oh, it's a bit cold yet. Like oh, we'll leave the heating on all night then because, you know, we don't want to get a little bit chilly overnight. Well, 50 years ago, hundred years ago, deal with it. You know, it's, you're going to be cold. And, and I think we, I think we miss out on that lack of hardship. And I think that's again, perhaps where, you know, circling back to the, the mental hardship, like doing hard things, you know, I, I historically have done stupid things like i'm just going and run a marathon having done no training it's like well how hard can it be it's just running for a little bit longer than i've run before um you know doing stupid things like that when you're a bit younger i think yeah i've always done stupid little oh, starting a business you know that was fairly foolhardy um you know back in the day it's like yeah well how hard can it be just, you know start a business um yeah i think we, we i think we miss having that connection I, I don't think we understand how much we miss by not having that hardship and it's like it's going to be tough but there's no one else to do it so you just have to come out and do it kids and you know and
1: i mean the lows are low but the highs are also amazing too we're talking about the moment spring so we're starting to see you know all of the fruits of our labor and our hard work throughout the year hitting the ground Mm. for their beautiful baby lambs and baby calves and and do you know what like that feeling knowing that we're Producing something that is going to deliver high quality protein in a protein deficient yep. world is, you know, and we're doing it the best way that we know how and that mm. we can. Um, do you know that that sense of pride and that yep. is really really strong and yeah, I it's pretty cool to see things work out and to to sort of achieve those goals and mm. yeah, it feels it feels good when you see the results.
0: Yeah, nice. But um, like you say, and and I guess that's you know that's why we call our uh, client group be better. You know, you don't want to just rest on your laurels. And so you had the you were saying um, your husband and, and your father-in-law like trying to get the head around like what is this thing? You know, we, we're doing as doing as, as much as we can. We're trying to be better, but it's hard. So that that's kind of like the 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 backstory or the creation myth story for for the whole story. So yeah. So what? So you saw this, and then did you? Yeah. What happened next?
1: Um, so then I just kind of played around with what were my strengths and how could I, like, what would what would be useful? What would actually, mm. like, help um, get gains? And I listened to, as I said, one of the Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose um, podcasts where Kath spoke to Bridget Williams from Beat and Proceed. Yep. And her speaking about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, like, it was like I'd been hit by a bus. Honestly, like, I was like, how did I, like I'd heard of them, but I didn't Mm. really understand or know or connect. And the way she spoke connected me with the goals. And then I went, why are we not singing this from the rooftops that, you know, like this should be something. Um, And this is a way that we can look at sustainability from a much more holistic sense and actually, you know, extend, like recognize what we're doing, tell our story to the world and set goals so that we can actually achieve a sustainable future. And I think just being able to use that framework um, and then I kind of, I guess, built a business around um, how we use that framework to inspire holistic sustainability and agriculture. And so that's done through, there's a whole lot of different channels. And I think mm. that was the coolest thing about building a business with a purpose and a very clear purpose is the actual how or the what didn't matter so much as long as yep. it achieved the why. And that's, that's been really fun. So, because it changes all the time and people go, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, well, there's kind of three buckets that fits into, but it changes. And I'm open to opportunity because we've got a clear purpose. Yep. How we get there is kind of flexy
0: And that's, uh, that to me is everything. It's like, if you have that, um, that overarching sense of purpose and, and knowing what you're trying to achieve, the rest of it, you you'll find your way and that sense of resilience and optimism and I'm just going to keep going because what I what I want and what I need to achieve is so needed and it has that meaning for me and it is going to help create better outcomes for for not just you know potentially your farm but New Zealand farms and then maybe even beyond that. Yeah, that that's the shit that keeps you going that I think yeah, most is. again it's sad that the vast majority of people have no idea what that feels like. Um,
1: and it's that like I do and I check in frequently sometimes you get I mean you know what it's like with business sometimes you get kind of caught up in the chaos and Mm -hmm. you go like every now and again I just need to check myself and go is what I'm doing proposing dreaming here actually going to serve the people that I am trying to serve and I think that's that's the biggest soul connection piece for me is it's not is this going to serve me for my business, it's—is yeah. this going to serve is the it. community? Yeah, and that yeah. for me is—it's so grounding. Like it's so yep. grounding. Keep connecting with—is this serving the people that I set this up to serve?
0: Hundred percent. And yeah, we're exactly the same here. Um, you know, um, Jess. Um, you know, she's been real, really useful for me for the last. year We've been hanging. She's been hanging out with me for about a year now, even a bit more. I think we worked out the other day. Um, yeah, just like well, we come up with ideas, and it's like yeah, but who cares? It's like, does it, it's one of those probably, well, is it overused? I don't know. There was that, um, a book called, Does It Make the Boat Go Faster? That was written all about the British Olympic squad. Must have been for the late 90s or early 2000s even, where basically the whole ethos was, yeah, we could implement that, but how does it make the rowboat go faster to get us a gold medal? And if it didn't make the boat go faster, well, then we we don't need to worry about it. And I think it's kind of, the same, you know, Now, I think for me now that business is a bit stronger, it's been here a bit longer, B is becoming more of a thing. We've kind of got more of a baseline, which means we can now start tinkering, like even like creating this community. It's kind of like, well, you know, hopefully it's useful. You know, hopefully this podcast is useful. Hopefully you will know, we'll talk about your podcast. Like it's, it's like you say, it's not it. But I think this is this is the the middle ground of purpose because you enjoy doing a podcast, I enjoy doing a podcast, so I'm getting some enjoyment out of this. But I'm also hopefully showcasing your awesome Mahi, and hopefully we're going to inspire someone in the group or someone who's going to listen to this maybe in ten years time to go, I can go and do that. And that is the sweet spot of purpose. It's like it's fulfilling you whilst also helping fulfill something bigger than you. So yeah, it's really really cool. Um, so so what yeah so you kind of just started tinkering so when did the whole story kind of actually start and and what does I guess what, what is it you do today like what does the typical day look like or, or the typical thing that you're doing with the whole story and, and yeah has that kind of morphed from where, where you did start out did, have you had any changes or um did you pretty much nail it first time into right? we're gonna do this and we're still doing that or is it <laughs> still <laughs> always,
1: always a big spiderweb, isn't it um no yep. it's that so I actually officially launched in June 2020. So um, I'd actually become a finalist for the Xander McDonald's Award, which is a sort of young, innovative leaders within agriculture in New Zealand and Australia. I'd become a finalist for that. And as part of that application, I'd kind of talked about this you know the whole story that I this, and this idea and, and all of a sudden I was a finalist and so it was going to become like really public really quickly. so I was like swirling away at night trying to get the website up and going because so I was like oh we've really got to get this launched. so yeah got there, got that across the line, got um, a massive amount of opportunity for feedback for uh, um, kind of clarifying what it was that I was trying to achieve and how I was going to achieve it in the short term around that awards process so that was really cool and initially what we've set out to do and what I'm still doing is it's got three buckets of work so the first kind of bucket is the one-to-one work so I work with individual farming clients on their sustainability journey and I guess using a tailored sort of framework that's kind of bespoke to their farm and working through that with them the second bucket is the one-to-many sort of delivery model so um, doing workshops and what wasn't in the original plan and you touched on before was the podcast series but that now falls in that bucket too. Yep, hadn't thought of it but it definitely um, serves the why and is something that I'm really enjoying doing and then the third bucket of work is kind of the behind the I call it sort of behind the scenes um, section which is governance, industry, advocacy and sort of representation. There, where I'm kind of working in different um, research projects, facilitating research that serve the space, um, yeah, governance roles and industry roles. So, yeah, three buckets to kind of put it into. Um, but yeah, that at the moment is is how it's falling out.
0: Nice, and um, yeah has it has it been going like you're getting some wins, um, making some changes, or is it? I guess. With the, with the farming sector in general, there could be some long, you know, might be longer term before you get really big outcomes or well, yeah, what's what's the general results been?
1: Yeah, really good. So one of my biggest kind of um, drivers is making sure that I provide tangible and practical solutions that people can actually implement
0: straight away, not what just... A, what a crazy talk- idea.
1: I know, <laughs> not just talking about big picture stuff around yeah. sustainability and agriculture, but hey, look, this is actually like... These, and it's about connecting people. So I don't want to reinvent any wheels. It's yep. that We have amazing rural professionals doing awesome stuff in our sector. It's actually, it's that finding solutions. It's actually yep. connecting people with someone who can help you. Do you know, like, yep. I don't need to be doing this for you, but I yep. know the person who can, and I'll yep. connect you with them, and you can make that happen together, because I can't hold all the information required to drive all of these sustainability outcomes. But yep. I am really good at connecting the right people together. And yeah. so, um, yeah, we're getting some wins, we're getting connections, we're getting inspiration and social media is kind of a game changer and people are picking up what I'm throwing down and I try to put some stuff on there every week that's kind of just, you know, like there's something you can do on farm that takes a very small step, but it's mm. a, you know, series of small steps that make up giant quantum leaps and sustainability. So. Yep. You know, you don't have to see what the end picture looks like. Just take that first step. And, you know, here is where you need to go to do agri recycling. Or, yep. you know, this is an opportunity for how we can grow and educate our people on the farm. Like, that's kind of, yep. yeah, like little tangible take-homes. And that's a big thing about what the podcast has been delivering to. Yeah.
0: Yep. Is there is there, like, one main big thing that like most people can do is it or is it like really specific to the type of farming that you're doing in the region or is there like one if if there happens to be a farmer who tunes into this podcast farmers probably perhaps not our core audience who knows um let me know um if we need to go deeper into farming um but yeah is there like one big area that that makes the biggest win for most people
1: i think the biggest like the biggest win is mindset shift Yep. The shift around getting excited about sustainability, not scared of it, it's become really, really compliance and regulatory heavy. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we can actually go, hang on, let's not just make regulations or deal with compliance. Let's try and shift people into thinking, hey, sustainability is really exciting and these are our opportunities. Yeah. And that mindset shift is the biggest win and probably like almost the hardest as well changing 100%. your mind thing is, is, is a real challenge but that is what I've been seeing as the biggest impact that I'm having is actually people that penny drop where they go hang on this is really exciting and here are some things I can do and once you, you know once you're excited about something you're more motivated to go and do it so yeah. just yeah inspiration and excitement
0: is the biggest thing that I'm it's the key yeah and that that was a big part of my journey like when I first when I had my kind of exit from the corporate world and it's like you are all just greedy assholes who just want to destroy the planet and make as much money and you don't care about society community or even the humans in your business that was kind of my final experiences of the corporate world Um, you come out of that and you are quite angry and it's almost like the grief process you kind of like you're in denial then you get angry and you kind of go through that that process and that was a big learning um Michael Philpot, good mate of mine like he he was like mate all your content's angry like no no one wants to no one wants to hang out with angry people and it's like yeah but god damn it like these people should be out like, everyone should be angry and it's like yeah you don't mm. and it took you know it takes you a while to kind of get get through that and but you're 100% right and, and that's what we try and bring is just like like I say overwhelming force of positivity that this is it's kind of like the the uh, the example, or the analogy I, I sort of use is you need to be having the best party on the street so that people look and go well, what's what's happening on Bex's farm I don't know well let's go and check it out because like the music sounds really good and everyone's got drinks and they're having a great old time and it's like well yeah we're at we're at you know sustainability party this is where it's at people and it's like okay well that does look more fun than what I've been doing so how, yeah how do I get into this and um, yeah I think that's been a big part of it for me and then I'll just share this look at it I'm getting all over the, the sharing stuff today um this is i don't know if have you come across this it's called the dunphy model of um sustainability adaptation um shout out to tim loftus from uh nizina marino for for introducing this one to me but you know this this is the classic thing you know you kind of start off with uh rejecting the idea of sustainability it's compliance based it's kind of like don't, I'm, I'm actively not going to do this even though it might be better for me because i just don't like how you've told me to do this or what have you and then uh, people might move to like okay we'll just going to ignore you rather than actively rejecting it and then it becomes that sort of compliance but then you kind of go actually having just done that i see that there's a benefit to it okay you kind of got me now i'm, I'm like okay, i'm maybe slightly intrigued and then suddenly it becomes actually we're getting a benefit from this we need to do more of this. And then, actually, you know, purpose and impact just become strategy. And that's what we lead with. And the example Tim uh, talks about from his experience was having worked um, for REI, like the big outdoor clothing retailer in the US. He was pretty close with the team at Patagonia. And then he led uh, the Corp journey at Kathmandu. And he's got some really interesting insights how, you know, he sort of talks about how um, the, the senior leadership were perhaps slightly resistant to the idea of sustainability. But when he sat down with the CFO and said, okay, what about efficiency? What, what, how much are we spending on lighting our stores? And the guy's like, I don't know. He's like, well, I know. And I know that we can reduce it by whatever factor by switching out to LEDs when we can. So he was selling the sustainability impact through an efficiency impact because people understood efficiency. And I think, yeah, meeting people where they are, getting them, and again, it's like, you know, doing good is contagious. Once you've done some good, it feels good. I, wow, I, and actually that was quite easy oh okay well maybe we can do the next one so no i think you're 100 on the on the right track well clearly you are because you're getting some wins and you're enjoying it and you're going gangbusters so yeah life's all good
1: yeah and i think it's that um do you know like if people it's exactly what you're talk about talking about efficiency and we talk about like actually having like happy well looked after staff on farm You know like the cost involved in recruitment Mm. and like finding farm staff and at the moment is like finding staff anywhere at the moment it's like hard work so actually if you look after the ones you've got and you make sure that they're you know good wages good education they're happy good work-life balance and doing that sort of stuff i mean it seems like real basics but actually Mm. that saves you time and money further down the line and yeah. actually can help them recruit further because those people share and they talk about it it's funny that people talk crazy and, idea. yeah
0: yeah and um, but so
1: like. you then become an employer of choice and and yeah. once people realize like what that's sustainability i'm like yeah people are sustainability like yeah, yeah. it's kind of like once you start recognizing that there's more to it and it's mm. a more holistic viewpoint then yeah. you can find those wee sparks of passion because Every farm's different and every farm is different. Their set of values is different. What floats their boat within the sustainability sphere is going to be different. And it's about how you allow them to express their true selves. Mm. And as you say, like to actually use their own core calling um, to actually show up in their sustainability journey. Mm.
0: We're talking to uh, well, I'm doing a workshop in a couple of weeks, I think, or 10 days, I think it is 17th, sometime around there. Um, and we've got Caroline Tayland, um, who is also in the group. Um, and she was working as a consultant at Christchurch International Airport as a sustainability consultant, and she was sort of charged with trying to introduce the SDGs and um yeah kind of raise the levels of awareness around sustainability and um hopefully she might be listening to this at some point she might be able to give us some tips and tricks or comments but you know that that was a big thing that she talked about how she got engagement was meeting the employees where they were so i think it, she was talking about how it was potentially like the engineering departments in the airport and i think she even mentioned it might be been the fire teams at the airport who were kind of re- really resistant to this all just sounds like green mumbo jumbo. Like, what are you like? I don't need to know this. But I remember her talking about how she sort of started to meet them and and ask them, well, what what do you like doing? Like, do you you enjoy the the outdoors? And they're like, well, yeah, I I love going hunting and fishing or I love getting into that. And she was like, okay, right. Well, what we're trying to like, ultimately what we're trying to do is make sure that you have a pristine environment to go fishing in. And they're like, oh, right. Oh, well that, yeah, I'm all over that. Like totally get that. Right. Okay. So you using these really shitty chemicals every day <laughs> actually is contrib- And uh, For me, I think that's one of the big... It's all, all, cognitive dissonance is kind of almost not quite the right word, but it's just just lack of awareness of the impact that actually I might be contributing to the thing that I don't want to happen, but I just haven't made the connection for whatever reason. And I think, yeah, helping people. It's like, it's, yeah, I mean, this is the work that we're all kind of in this space doing. It's like bringing people on a journey, but you've got to meet them where they are, and have a really great party that they want to come and play it it's it sounds really simple but it's not that simple as well,
1: you've got everyone's <laughs> got to find meaning at work otherwise everyone's just ants building
0: an anthill right like. yeah yeah very cool so um the whole story is going really well you've got your podcast um your podcast you're mainly interviewing rural type folk um is yeah. there a theme theme to the podcast or are you uh, is it pretty wide-ranging
1: uh yeah so the podcast this series is pretty structured and it's structured around the un sustainable development goals so um how many are we in now episode four launched this morning so yeah we have one um initial introductory episode where bridget williams is speaking about the sustainable development goals and kind of providing that context and and talk about that context in agriculture and then each week, I get a different guest on who highlights one of the specific goals and nice. is working towards that space within the agricultural sector, whether they're a farmer or someone supporting farmers yep. or just the ag industry. But yeah, so highlighting a goal each week. And nice. so if I don't so remember, the eighteen.
0: Episodes. I was going to say, Season 1 will have 18 episodes, 17 goals sure project. Nailed it. Um, very cool. Oh, well, we'll put a link. Um, what's it called to give it uh, for those if people aren't yeah, able to it's called it's, the whole
1: story podcast? Keep it pretty simple. Um, I like what you've done there, name <laughs> of the business, and um, <laughs> probably big shout out here to FMG because they've been awesome in supporting actually me bringing that out to the world. Because yeah, without them, it would have been a lot harder and wouldn't have been as,
0: as good as it is. So, yeah, you're saying like, I, I, hey, like, so I need a sponsor for this podcast, like, there's got to be someone either in. <laughs> Come on, one of one of my clients, like come on, um, or someone listening to this, like so. Bex, you, you you've got you were just saying beforehand. So FMG, if you're listening from outside of New Zealand, Farmers Mutual Group, they are a New Zealand's rural insurance company at the core of what they do. But they are similarly like really involved in rural communities. They, they they you know they seem to be, and I guess well they're a mutual business, so they're is it customer owned business or um, supplier owned? I can't remember what how their structure like are you pa are you a customer uh, of them? Does that mean you have ownership? I anyway, they're like a cooperative type.
1: Of hand, but they're a, they're a mutual. So, yeah. they're, so they're,
0: they're a co- cooperative type business. So they're, they're, they've they definitely got that sort of sense of contribution. And, you know, we're, we're here to do some good. And, um, yeah, so we we connected you with Emma from FMG. And I was like, well, I, I, if you don't ask, it's going to be a no. And you got sponsorship. And you were just saying before, you've got a team of how many helping you with your podcast?
1: Oh, gosh, I'm not even sure how many <laughs> are. Like, like, hundreds of like, people. <laughs>
0: And so, like, yeah, I have, I have
1: a team. The podcast has a yeah, team. I thought, let's like talk um,
0: about it. But seeing as you mentioned it, yeah, I do yeah. have a team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they're amazing because there's a whole lot more to podcasting than I really thought or understood. And so they're helping with that. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. would have fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very cool. So, so yeah. Just so supportive. So, nice. shout out to Yeah
0: there you go yeah so if anyone you know come on there's got to be someone who'd want to sponsor my semi-regular smack chat talking to cool people just saying i don't know we'll work on something um and so yeah b corp um how, how did you come across b corp and what and why
1: i must have come across b corp they probably were in the same and it was in the the workshop that you did with with kath yep and it's kind of in that formative stage where I was all about like finding out what my purpose was and the Ikigai yeah. process. And then I was like, B Corp, like it was another one of those, like, it's kind of like the second bus, or maybe the first bus, another bus. I've been hit by a few. Um, was this B Corp <laughs> thing, And it's like, wow, that's awesome. I want to be on that journey. Like I want to yeah. be one of
0: those. Like I don't know I don't how to when do I, When I grow up,
1: stuff. I want to be a B Corp. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, I want to be a B. Um, so... When I started the whole story, I knew nothing about starting a business. I just knew I wanted to do something with purpose and I had this really cool idea. I have no idea how to do it. How shall I do it? Oh, hang on. There's these really cool group of businesses (laughs) called b Corps that actually have an impact assessment that kind of assesses your business, but you can use that to structure a way that you build a business. So I actually... Built the whole story using the structure behind the impact assessment, nice. and then had to wait a painfully long time <laughs> to then go through the process myself. But like it was always the whole story was always designed to be a B. It just took time to be recognised yeah. as B.
0: Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, we've we've got quite a few people that we've been hanging out with. Um, yeah, you know, you know, within our sort of client group, who some were younger businesses than yours um so you know a lot, a lot of startups we're finding are getting are interested in in fact we've had a conversation this week with another startup um and a couple of others just recently where they're kind of like hey can we use this as a framework and it's like 100 percent like build the business and you know because you can use the assessment to to look at okay well if we had 20 employees what what questions would be different because typically the more employees you've got the 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 depth of reporting and structure that you need around how you operate your business is just a bit more so you can even use it as a bit of a a strategic planning tool to go okay well if we had 20 employees if we had a thousand employees what sort of stuff do we need to be thinking about and you can sort of have that on your on your roadmap so yeah it's definitely a really really cool tool and um so yeah i guess um you got a pretty decent score you got um a couple of impact business models for those of you who don't know what an, an ibm is um you've obviously been living under a rock um so the b corp assessment is split into two um sort of parts I guess basically you've got your operational score which is just doing our day-to-day running of the business uh, we do some good. And then an impact business model is essentially where you can prove that you're going out of your way to create more positive social or environmental impact than you are required to do as a business. And so <clears throat> you've got the mission lock one, which everyone has to do. So you don't really get any shout out for that. Um, I suppose you do, because you're probably one of the first actually to do that in New Zealand to, 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 to adopt that. So the mission lock is updating a constitution or creating a constitution if you're a small business that didn't have one. Uh, with a purpose clause and a uh, stakeholder clause so really bringing the idea of stakeholder capitalism uh, to life but you scored quite a few points I think it was like 20 odd points on the impact business model under environment and that's basically because of what you do essentially wasn't it because you're helping to educate people around environmental issues so go yeah Yeah,
1: that's it's it's quite cool when you look at
0: my business model because it yeah, as you say, it's not just
1: that the whole story has a positive impact and is doing good, but actually our mission is to go out and help a whole lot of other businesses do good too. So that's where yep. you pick, I guess, those impact business models. And yep. yeah, the environmental one's pretty important
0: to the work I do, obviously. So it kind of made sense. Um, any big learnings from going through the B Corp journey? Um, was there stuff that you're kind of like, oh, that's that doesn't make sense? Or, oh, wow, I had no idea that was a the thing. Anything that kind of like, Sticks out for you? Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, I think a big one for me, which
1: I don't know whether it's just from the the sort of the B Corp journey or just the business startup journey, you know, full stop, is actually just Mm. the amount of you know documentation that you need to have and make sure you put in place. Um, yeah, and I think with the impact assessment, the biggest thing for me probably was like to record everything as you go, like so. Or when you're working through it make little notes in the comments section about you know what document or what you're referring to or what you're thinking of at the time because <laughs> there's so many different questions you'll forget what you were thinking of at the time and go back 100%. to it and i think uh... keeping those little notes all the way through and attach if you if there's a document that supports it at the time you're going through like attach it because it'll save you so much more work yep. further down the track to go back and retrospectively go back through all that but yeah, it's, and it's really cool. Like, as you say, like, I've now set the business up with a structure and the sort of level of support around it that allows it to grow now with if I use the impact assessment. And it's probably if I just started up a business without that, I probably wouldn't be in the position I am now where I've got all of that um, background policy and documentation and sort of even just the way of working that enables us to grow in a much more
0: easier and more sustainable way. Nice. Super cool. And <laughs> so yeah, what's what's the future hold? i um, going to start something else because clearly being a mum, a farmer, that having a business and a podcast. I mean, you've got a team on the podcast, that doesn't really count. Um, like yes, yeah, so what are you what are you gonna do on Fridays from now on? I mean, and skiing. Well ski season's almost over. So yeah. But we, what, what are you what are your plans? Are you obviously oh. gonna double down on the whole story. It's clearly doing some good stuff are you you yeah, you're enjoying it. Um yeah what's what's the what's sort of the next bit for Bex? Yeah,
1: I am super loving the whole story. Like the work just energizes me. So yeah, along with kind of the kids are kind of getting a bit older and I'll have two at school soon. So hopefully a little bit more time to really sink Mm -hmm. my teeth in the whole story more. Um, There's a, just about to start up some online workshops, trying to reach people remotely. I've got a lot of people who are engaged with the whole story from around the country. So trying to create some kind of flexi time workshops around that. Um, Yeah, that's kind of, I guess, the next step. and just really, you know, put a whole lot of passion and time and energy into those one-to-one farming clients that I've got um, to make sure that they're smashing their goals. And hopefully um, podcast
0: season two. Nice. Yeah, Great I've job. got
1: some good ideas and new plans for that one. So hopefully we can keep the podcast seasons rolling over because, yeah, I didn't anticipate that would be part of the business model when I started. But yep the opportunity to create impact um is is pretty epic through the podcast so i i really enjoy the process to get to nice. speak to
0: cool cats nice yeah you, you're going to be dangerous when your two kids go to school So like, that's going to free up a bit of extra time it's like watch this space there's going to be <laughs> watch, watch out,
1: <laughs> yeah. out
0: for your time when the third one goes yeah Steve. it's like woo, she could be a <laughs> ball. yeah oh super cool um i think jamie was uh tuning in in the group but he hasn't Uh, dropped any questions he said he was in the car so hopefully he's uh, not driving and uh, trying to live chat at the same time um so if jamie's listening in if you've got any questions before we sort of close up um but pretty much that's I, i think that's a probably a good place to to put a line under it um but um yeah, I guess any words of wisdom or advice uh, for other people out there going on the B Corp journey or in a business environment, you know, trying try to, I think Jamie, you know, Jamie was our last um, live stream we did and, you know, to reflect on him, I, th- I think you're quite similar, you know, f- sort of f- very family focused person, Jamie's, you know, his his business partner is his wife and his dad, you know, in a, in, in a business that kind of didn't really exist before, like you know what you're doing is pretty niche no one's really been doing it before you've got a lot of other stuff going on but yeah what what advice would you give to other people you know in, a, in the small business business for good purpose-based trying to change the world like what's the how do you do it
1: i think if you're passionate about it just do it or just get started, take small steps. I mean, the whole story was founded while I was working full time as a vet, but it was founded at the space between five o'clock and seven o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, <laughs> so you just carve out time for the things you're passionate about, but the rewards of doing something that fulfills you are so worth it. So right. I think, you know, it seems hard at the start, but take that first step because what it does to your soul and your level of happiness, which enables you to serve the world better is, is worth it. And the world's
0: missing out. If you don't. 100%. 100%. If you don't do it, what doesn't get done? Yeah. And that's, that would, that sort of negative, um, projectioning forward as to, well, if I didn't do that, what might happen? That's actually a really powerful tool to kick you in the ass and get you out of bed in the morning as well. Well, on that, uh, sage piece of advice i reckon we'll um we'll, we'll end the live stream there so um yeah thanks so much bex that's been really cool to get to know you a bit more understand a little bit more about what you're up to and um yeah just all the awesome stuff you're doing so yeah thank you so much we'll put links obviously everywhere so people can find you um but yeah thank you so much we'll
1: awesome no thank you tim it was
0: wicked catch you soon let me see if i can work out how to stop the live share it's been a while since uh we've done that there we go stop live stream